station props outstanding content but when it's time to deliver they fall flat on their ridiculous faces enter la talk radio a cool irreverent and entertaining talk station that delivers totally original content without any commercials log on to latalkradio.com and get involved with the best talk radio station on the internet la talk radio we say what we want the morning show that's on your side. But then again, so is appendicitis. Get ready for the most popular morning show anywhere on the Internet. You're listening to Sam in the Morning with Mia right here on L.A. Talk Radio. If you'd like to take part in the show today, give us a call at 323 203-0815. And now your program hosts, Sam and Mia. Good morning and welcome to the show. It's Thursday. I wish it was Friday. Oh, I bet September you September 12th, yes. What else is new? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know me. I like Fridays, right? Yeah. It's the end of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, at least, you know, at least we all got through yesterday without any crazy... Yeah shootings That's or anything true. nearby you know you yeah, you gotta true. wonder you know days like that if people just yeah you know, i know why with I, all I guess the tragedy that when there's no terror we consider ourselves lucky mm-hmm. so there you go every day that goes by without dead people it's a good thing you know right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a it's a very it's a very good thing yeah for sure but yeah you just you never know just i feel like just people lately you know just acting out Really? Out of nowhere. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, just all the, all the random shootings. You know, yeah. I feel like people would, oh, I you know, you pick mean. a day mm-hmm. like that to, yeah. you know, to yeah. do so. Because especially with all the, like, conspiracies with it. Uh-huh. Like, now people are saying that, you know, it was, like, government-induced or something. Like, there's so many different takes the 9/11? on 9-11. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, they've been saying that from the beginning. So. I yeah. don't know, you know, maybe there's something to it, I don't know. I mean, uh, CNN had like a whole show on this, so um, mm-hmm. I don't know. But there's always conspiracy stories and theories and stuff when things like this happen, you know. Right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, who cares? We care about new iPhones, that's what we care about, oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of phones and Instagram, it was like everybody's post yesterday was like Twin Towers and a flag and never forget. Yeah. Like everyone, I, like I feel like everybody just like copy and pasted the yeah. same picture on Instagram. Exactly. Know? Never yeah. forget. Facebook, never forget. The same thing. Yeah. It's like, well, with all that, how could you? Yeah. You know, <laughs> social media. But no. They don't let you forget. Yeah. Huh? No. No. I mean, I would. I would never forget anyway i'll never forget yeah. where i was i was i was in the sixth grade yeah yeah wow. yeah and i remember just wanting to know so bad what did you happened. understand what was happening and, and i i i did mm. well i was having breakfast i think i woke up it was after you know the first plane had already gone down i think mm-hmm. and then i was sitting at the kitchen table having breakfast and uh you know my parents had the tv on and they were mm-hmm. just like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god a second mm-hmm. plane you know just yeah. you know came in and with that like, it was just like what like yeah i know it was totally unbelievable yeah it was shocking you know Mm -hmm. and uh yeah there was a lot of shows on tv yesterday about this but not as many as i was 
afraid of because mm -hmm. it's like every year they just like they don't stop with it you know it's like they right. oversaturate yeah the whole day just kind of shuts yeah. down and it's they oversaturate you know. everything you know but now i guess everybody's busy with uh, syria and stuff so right yeah, yeah that too yeah exactly there's oh there's 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 always going to be something right yeah you know it's the world it's life i mean i had my own little minor tragedy yesterday actually no i can't even i can't even say it was a tragedy i i really i got really lucky it's kind of a, a bit of a miracle story really wow. <laughs> yes i went just down the street to get my oil changed at jiffy lube mm -hmm. and there you know and it's really, it's not that far and i just i don't know woke up got in my car just went around the corner and whatever and and, uh, you know, they're looking at my car, inspecting it, being like, yeah, yeah, we'll change your oil, we'll, you know, get your fluids, this and that, check your, you know, tire pressure, and they're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you have a you have a flat tire <laughs> in the back, uh, the rear passenger side. And I'm like, what? And I look, and like, legit, it mm -hmm. was a flat tire. Wow. Like, it must have just happened, yeah, I guess, while I up. was... Yeah, or yeah. unless they do that on purpose. Exactly. Maybe it's Jiffy Loop leaving little nails, nails in their entryway. Stuff, yeah. So when you come in, they're like, "Oh, <laughs> uh, you, you have a flat tire. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta take care of that. Make an extra Pay us." Bucks, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> that yeah. would be a good idea, huh? Uh, who yeah, knows? You know, go. I would, I would, I really wouldn't be surprised because <laughs> I, you know, I think I would have felt it if it was legitimately flat for that yeah. long. But that's true. Yeah. Whatever. But so. Yeah, but so they, how were um, you lucky that they found it on time or what? Well, that I was that I was there right. and not somewhere else and having to like drive yeah. on it and just being mm -hmm. so have to change the tire worried about it. <laughs> well, they yeah, wouldn't that be a sight? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, they you know they did all the you know Good for you. stuff they had to do and you know and then change the they put the spare on. Yeah. So I was uh. Driving on a driving on a spare this okay. morning and okay. Well, I would hardly describe this as a tragedy, but okay. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's a you know, it's a flat tire. Now it's, it's like it's just something tire. else I have to take care of, and it's you know, yeah. finances and everything. And yeah, of but course, I mean, it's none of it's car troubles never going to be tragedy. easy, but you know. <laughs> But, but it was just, you know, that's my that's my baby. That's yeah. my kitty car. That's true, yeah. It, you know, All right, well, a flat get, tire is not going to kill I your get, car. I get It'll sad be when stuff like that happens. But no, I just, I feel like I got so lucky. It could really? have been anywhere you know uh -huh. that yeah then that would have been a real tragedy yeah tow truck and all that like, yeah exactly you were you were lucky more than it was a tragedy right you really sure. don't like realize how much like we rely on mm. our cars you know running in perfect condition you know yeah. it's like one thing goes wrong and then it's like you know yeah i missed a casting because i couldn't get that you know i'm you know it's just it's just a bit of a of an inconvenience and yeah. you're like oh man like life is a lot easier when my car is working properly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we you know what can I rely say? Rely on those things so much, but oh well. So, uh, have you been going to some auditions and stuff lately, or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's just because I'm I'm union, so I feel like there's so many things that are like. They're all like union pending, and mm. you know, or out of the yeah. country, and it's like. Mm, it's like a yeah. fine line. Like I really need to, you know what I mean? Like right. make sure that I'm, you know, legally going into something <laughs> before I'm just, you know, yeah. making that mistake. Cause I know that happens in movies. SAG sends me stuff all the time. Like, 
don't go for this movie because blah, blah, blah. It's not union. It's not You'll get union, in trouble. Huh? It's like, wow. okay. Yeah. Duly noted. <laughs> so much for <laughs> that. Staying away from that project. <laughs> Thank you, SAG, AFTRA, <laughs> One Union. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. what are you going to do? You know, that's the way it is. We'll learn more about uh, this town in a minute from our special guest here in the studio. Yeah. But um, I wanted to bring up, so did you see the new iPhones yet? I mean, you like iPhones, right? You have one. I do, I do. I yeah. have the, I have the five. I also heard they're coming oh, out with like five. colors. Yeah, like There's the like whole. The five C, yeah, it's it's all colors and plastic and stuff. And oh, the five C. Yeah, that's the five C. Oh. It's a different one. Yeah. Oh, the Remember, 5C, I told you the, uh, adding a C. Now, what does the C mean? Like, what did cheap. the S mean? <laughs> The S, like the four I think, S. Like, I oh, think they, why is it they said it was for Siri or something, but that was back oh, then. Yeah, yeah, but now what's the C? They're changing for Siri's cheap, name. She's going to start with a C now. Like, <laughs> Siri. Oh, no, no, no. This is Siri with a C. Uh-huh. Get it right. There's a big difference, okay? Seriously, you guys. Like, come okay, on. Get, get with it. it. So are you going to get it in gold or in silver? What are you going to do? Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to... You're just going to stick with your five for now. Well, Makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah. I'm still in my, much. I'm still in my contract. Yeah. You know, if I'm, if I'm crying That's about true, money, yeah. I don't have for tires. I'm not gonna <laughs> be going out and get a gold-plated iPhone. Yeah. You know, although people would, people would do that. They yeah. would drive on a spare for like, you know, people another month longer li- just to, you know, yeah. to get the latest, greatest in technology and fashion. People are already lining up at Apple stores and stuff. You know, it's oh, not I'm due sure. out for another week. <laughs> Oh, People man. are crazy, man. I sort of, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like there isn't quite as much hype with this one yeah. well, as there have been in the past. I think people one. are like sort of like catching on to Apple's drift. Yeah. You know, like, oh yeah, yeah sure, I pre-order it. Like, that's what I did with the iPhone 5. Right. I got it like, you know, right away, I tried to be like really good about it because I waited for it to come out. Yeah. Like you, like my contract was up and right. I'm like, no, I'm not going to get a 4S when I know the 5 is coming out in, right. you know, a couple months. And uh, yeah, it was just, I didn't get it until like a month and a half later. Even though I oh, really? pre-ordered it, I'm like, this really? is, yeah, I'm like this is silly. Even when you pre-order it, it takes that long? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I thought mm. I did everything right, man. Yeah. I was like, total like buddies with everybody in the sprint store <laughs> like they were my homies man well yeah. they were my homies to begin with just because i would go in there so often because my android uh-huh. broke so many times because yeah. they don't like they just give you refurbished ones yeah back yeah you know they're not brand new ones so right. then i'll get it back and i'll get home and i'll be like let's try it out i'll call my mom hello hello and then the speaker doesn't work really Mm-hmm. Wow. And then I'll take it back, and then they'll be like, oh, no, I can't even hear anything. So now neither of the speakers work. <laughs> they'll be like, oh, use these little headphones. We have to order you another new one. Okay, great. Now, yeah. like, nothing's working. Like, I was probably in the Sprint store, like, ten mm. times within wow. a span of, like, a month. <laughs> like, not even. Right. It was so ridiculous. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they like I'd walk in and like they all knew me by name. Yeah. They're like, oh, oh, hey, Mia, what's wrong with your phone today? Yeah. <laughs> Feel like, well, it's really hot. I can't even touch it when I charge it. Because wow. there's like a in the Evo, yeah. there's like a little metal clip in the back, mm. so you can like stand it up, you right. know, and like watch YouTube or whatever. I don't mm. know why you couldn't just hold it, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't exactly a, you know really fantastic feature although i thought it was at the time 
Um, but yeah, and this one time, whenever I would charge it, it would get so hot and I would burn myself on that little metal you clip in the back. Wow. I'd go to pick it up and I would like, wow. oh my God, it would hurt so bad. Like what I was legit. Phone, man. Yes. Like there was just, ah, oh, there's just always something. Yeah. I know. Nuts. It's true. Well, I like the fingerprint scanner on the new iPhone, but that's about it. You know, I yeah. think everything else is just, eh. Yeah. But, and that's why their stock fell yesterday, you know, because everybody is like, well, is this, is that it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, before before we get to our guests, I just wanted to bring this up, that this man was arrested for plotting to kill and eat children. Oh. Yeah, that's what he was planning to do in that's Boston. Like the utmost, like, number one disturbing thing you heard right yeah i know me too and it's like you know i mean they're saying he pled guilty to some of the most vile and heinous crimes you know and uh yeah i mean i don't know where this comes from man you know and they found like child porn and stuff in his but i mean how screwed up do you have to be in your childhood to grow up and be like this you know yeah it's just uh it's scary stuff, man. You just got to understand the consequences. Like, yeah. eventually, you're going to get caught. Right. So. But they don't think about that. I mean, would you, I mean, a person that wants to eat children is not rational. They're not going to think that way. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's, yeah. that's true. They're sick in the head. Yeah. So, anyway, I thought it was an interesting, interesting story. Wow. But anyway, Ugh. let's bring in our special guest who's been sitting here patiently. <laughs> On a happier note. And, <laughs> and let's brighten up this Thursday a little bit. Absolutely. And we have a great guest in the studio. Uh, his name is Adam Leipzig. Welcome to the show, Adam. So glad to be here, Sam and Mia. And yeah, let's please change the subject. I have to get that image out of my head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. You're right. Huh? Why did I bring it up? It's just an unusual story, though, you know, that... Uh, Thank goodness it's unusual. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. So, uh, Adam, you are uh, you live here in L.A., and are you originally from here? Yeah, I was born here. Really? Native. Yeah, it's very rare, isn't it? It is rare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen the city grow up and change. Wow, that's mm-hmm. quite, quite a thing. Uh, have you traveled a lot out of the city as well? Oh, I've traveled a lot because I have uh, I've made movies in a lot of places, uh, both in this country and in foreign countries, and uh, I have traveled quite a bit, hither and yon. Yeah, so it's not a big deal you were born here, you still get to be around places. And, uh, I do, but I yeah. love Los Angeles. It I think is it's great, a great huh? city. Yeah. It's, it's a great city, and especially yesterday, the, the weather was perfect, you know, and I thought to myself, what a great place to live. Yeah, you know? it was good weather yesterday, because yeah, it, it, was it wasn't too hot. No, it hasn't the days been the before that days. have been like... Yeah, it finally, really finally turned. It finally got to be really nice to walk or bike ride mm-hmm. when, the, when the city's perfect. Right. So uh, describe to us what it is that you do, what are you known for, and we'll get into that and, and other things. Well, I'm known for making movies and okay. producing movies and distributing them. I see. So you're a producer mainly. I'm a producer and a distributor, and I currently run a company called Entertainment Media Partners where we guide media companies and creative entrepreneurs and filmmakers and creative people Mm -hmm. through the process of getting their projects made and seen by audiences and figuring out all the ways to distribute them to audiences. Wow. So, I mean, you're well qualified for that. You've been around for a while. You know this town. Uh, When did did you first get into film and things like that? Was it pretty young? I first got into film about 25 years ago. My first Mm -hmm. career was in theater. Oh, okay. Yay. 
Are you a theater person, man? I was. I was a theater kid Excellent. growing up in Chicago. Yeah. Excellent. I love Chicago. <laughs> Big time. And Chicago is a great theater town. It is. is it, it really is. It was, oh. it was so much fun. Yeah. So, so you know. That's awesome. I do know. Yeah. Which theater did you work at? Um, I was actually an American girl for three years. Nice. Well yes. done. Thank so, you. <laughs> uh, so we were part of a theater here in Los Angeles called the Los Angeles Theater Center, mm-hmm. which is in downtown Los Angeles, Fifth and Spring. And uh, my wife and I met there. Oh, wow. And oh, we helped cool. to build that building, which is still there. It's a four-theater performing arts complex, mm-hmm. 1,200 seats. That was my first career. And after being there for about seven years, I just wanted to work on a larger canvas and got mm-hmm. into the movie business. I see. Okay. Wow. Wait, ha- have you ever acted, too, or did you always like to be... In the background. I'm always off the stage off or the behind stage. the camera. I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so how long were you in theater before you? Uh, before I was you in, wanted to I was in theater for seven years, but I found that you don't years. ever really leave theater. You just take extended vacations from it. Really? Very true. Because it pulls you back, right? Really. It does. It, it does. does. I, I feel that pull every time I see a show, and I'm like, oh man, I miss theater. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, when I was in theater, it was before we had kids. Yeah. And then about 10 years later, I was asked to come back in and produce a play. And at that point, we had kids. So mm-hmm. I was producing the play, and we did our dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And then after the dress rehearsal, which goes really late, then you have to go out drinking with the cast because everyone's got the adrenaline oh, up. Oh, yeah. you got to oh, yeah. calm it down, cast right? Mm-hmm. So 2 o'clock in the morning, I got back home. And then at 5.30, the alarm rang because I had to drive the kids to school. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, this is why oh. it's really hard to be in theater when you have kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, we learned the first lesson today. There yeah. you go. Yeah, just just hard to you know be in theater with a life in general unless mm-hmm. you're only doing theater because exactly. it is so time consuming yeah. yeah and how did you get into theater i mean was that something that always interested you is something, something i always loved i just really? love I, I love being in the audience and i love the creative experience i love working with creative people in every aspect yeah uh, and th- theater was just the first thing that i did and now extending that to movies and other kinds of content writing and web content and working with uh, with video producers and other writers it's just right. so much fun and uh, how did you learn um, how did you learn all this I mean were you like self-taught did you go to school did you have a mentor how did that happen I've had a series of mentors and my education is in literature it's I didn't go to film school I didn't go to theater school but I think reading books yeah. is a great way to mm-hmm. teach yourself things and I've had a series of mentors across my career uh, one of my early mentors in the movie business was a legendary executive named Jeffrey Katzenberg mm-hmm. who was running Disney at the time That's that I was sorry. hired to be an executive at Disney and without ever saying I'm going to be your mentor. He just was. And really? He was wow. like my graduate school in the movie business. I learned how to how to do the business, how to have ethical behavior, how to work with creative people, how to seek excellence and be demanding in the right ways to try to get movies to be as good as they possibly can be for right. them. Right. Yeah, and he's he's wow. very good. Now, how did you meet him? I met him because I was hired as a junior executive at Disney. You know, there was a time that Walt Disney Studios was a little company, and it's hard to remember that. But there was actually a time when Walt Disney Studios had put out a couple of movies a year. None of their movies had ever made more than $100 million. Wow. And there was a management shift, and two executives, Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg, were hired away from Paramount by the Disney board and brought in to revitalize the studio. And at that point, they began to staff up. Mm. And I was hired as part of that regime that came in. There were eight people 
in the creative group, there were Michael and Jeffrey at the top, five people, and then me down at the bottom. Mm. And <laughs> we eight people reinvented and revised that studio to the point where it became the studio that it is today. That's where the animation division wow. re-emerged. It's where Little Mermaid uh, came mm. out of, and then Lion King, and then live-action movies like Dead Poet Society, right. and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and Good Morning mm-hmm. Vietnam, and other terrific classics of that era. And by the time I left, some years later, those six, eight people had become 130 people. We had split into three different divisions, and it had morphed into a major operation. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. amazing. You yeah, were, you were part really of that. Is. Like, you like, yeah. built... Disney. I, well, That's I, no, awesome. I, I mean, you. I mean, you, your mentor is I built one brick in a very it. big bu- Disney building. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all credit to Michael and Jeffrey for, for putting it together and all the other executives, too. You know, this, these are always collaborative exercises. Mm-hmm. But it was extraordinary to be there. And it, that's why I call it my graduate school. Right. That's awesome. Now, what qualified you to be included in that team at the time? <clears throat> well, you know, I'd come out of theater and in theater, I was a producer and I was also a dramaturg. In theater, the the, the role of a dramaturg is the person who works with the playwrights and the directors and works with them together to shape the text of the play so it gets realized in the best possible way. Mm. So the action of doing that in theater is really the same as working with a screenwriter mm-hmm. and a director on a movie to get the movie to be as good as it can be. So those were highly transferable skills, oh, okay. and they're highly interpersonal skills. Right. So, wow, that's pretty interesting because, uh, I mean, you came from theater, and you're not really a business person, right? Not then. I am now. Uh, yeah, I that's that. what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, yeah. So that's good. So um, uh, how were you contributing there? In, in what uh, capacity were you contributing to this team? At Disney? Yeah. Well, I was part of the creative group, which okay. means that we were, uh, we were supervising the development of all the scripts, uh, bringing in projects, making deals on projects, Right. Uh, hiring writers, working with writers, getting the scripts to a point of perfection where we could go out to ask act directors if they wanted to direct them, actors if they wanted to star in them, right. and then supervising the actual production as the movie was shooting, watching the dailies as they came in, right. uh, and then supervising it all the way through post-production, distribution, and release. Wow. But you hadn't done this before, right? Before then. Nobody's born doing this, right? No, Everybody learns how to mm-hmm. do it. So no, we, it's true, though, you know, but I mean, it was a, a pretty... Uh, uh, you know, a pretty cool opportunity for you. Extraordinary yeah. opportunity for yeah. which I'm immensely grateful. Great. So now, were you? Uh, so you were involved in all the stages of the production and everything, pretty much, right? Yes. Yeah. Follow them all the way through, from inception to the point where it's on uh, sale at Walmart for fifty cents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, how long were you with Disney? For about six and a half years. Six and a half years. Wow. Yeah. So that's about as as long as Jeffrey and uh, and Eisenberg were there, no? Were they there longer? Uh, uh, Michael and Jeffrey uh, were there for about a year before me and a year after me. I see. Okay, so it's pretty close. Yeah. But uh, I saw Michael Eisner actually. He did uh, a little speech or something after he left Disney, mm. and that was pretty interesting. But you know, he got that bad reputation after uh, you know Disney lost money, and then he uh, he had to leave and stuff like that. So. Um, well, I don't know if Disney lost money, but at any rate, he was getting a lot of criticism, and that's why he finally left, right? Studio jobs are jobs that you don't own, you rent, I and they're see, never so. permanent. Okay. And if you mm. if you follow the entertainment industry, you know, we just saw uh, uh, earlier this week, there was a big executive shuffle at Universal. Uh, 
earlier this year, there was a big executive shuffle at Warner Brothers. Mm. I'll predict that there will be another big executive shuffle at another studio within the next four months. Really? It happens so all the time. So it's something regular, right. huh? There, this, this just happens, and you don't, you don't live in these jobs forever. I see. Now, why do you think that happens? Is that because they want to keep refreshing things and stuff? or? Uh, I think people get stale, and they mm-hmm. grow out of jobs, and technology changes, and audience taste changes. And these are also really, really hard jobs. They're very right. stressful jobs, especially at studios today, where the average summer movie costs $200 million to make, and maybe wow. another... $200 million to market, to market. or maybe mm-hmm. $250 apiece. So this summer, when we had tentpole movies, which are the big summer movies that come out on the yeah. 4th of July or the week before after that, there's probably a total investment of half a billion dollars in each of those movies between wow. the production budget and the marketing budget. Can you imagine being at Las Vegas and going to the craps table and rolling $500 million uh, on the table? Right. That's that's scary money, right? It's <laughs> yeah. re- really tough. <laughs> Quite a bit, I would say, yeah. And then to make it all back, you know, $10 at a time. Man, wow. That's, uh, it's tough. Yeah, yeah it's, it's tough. But uh, you know what's interesting is I remember how the film industry used to really complain and cry about video. And now I think they probably make more money on DVD and video, don't they, than they do at the box office? There has always been more money coming after the box office Mm -hmm. than in the box office. In fact, the Mm -hmm. box office is generally, when you figure out all the costs and the marketing costs and how much the theaters keep, which is half or more than half of the ticket price, Oh, really? um, generally at the box office, if you're lucky, you break even Mm. or you just lose a little bit. But what you do is you create marquee value for the movie. You get people excited about it. You make people aware of the title. You get reviews, hopefully the reviews are really good. So when the mm-hmm. movie comes out on Netflix or cable or Blu-ray, then people want to buy it exactly. and watch it again. And that's really where the money is. And they anticipate it, right. right. But uh, before before video came out, they didn't have that option. So were they making more money at box office back then? Back then, yeah. you actually could make money in the box office. Right, because yeah. that's the only place where people could see the movie. They couldn't really that's right. and then, see it. And then own. later, they're yeah. actually, back in those days, we're talking ancient, ancient history here. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm like, trying to picture what that's like. There, yeah, that, back in those days, this was before there was cable TV. Right. And then there would be sales to networks because the networks, the TV networks then bought movies. Right. And they would run and the movies. Show them like three years later. Exactly. That doesn't yeah. happen anymore. <laughs> no. But that, that was also a way to, to make some money back then. Right. Wow. That's even that's long before I was in the business too. Right. So yeah. So in hindsight now, I mean, they should be grateful for this revolution and and everything that's happening today. I mean, today we're streaming movies and everything, you know, and uh, you don't physically right. have to buy yeah. it, you know. So it's you know, and it's all instant. Yeah. Yeah, it you is know. like that. Netflix and all that. Uh-huh. That's yeah, that's, Amazon. That's and, and it's yeah. great, isn't it? I love that it's instant because, you know, mm-hmm. used to be when there were DVDs, you had to go buy the DVD. You bought all these mm-hmm. DVDs. Then you had to go to Ikea and buy shelves to put all the DVDs yeah. in. <laughs> then you had these shelves of DVDs of movies you watched once. Right. Right. What were you going to do with it? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why I never got people that buy DVDs, you know. It's like I'm only going to watch it once, except for ki- children's movies, you know. Those people watch many times yeah. over. Right. You know. And uh, that's what I would say. I'd say like a children's film is a great investment. It's a long-term investment, you yes. know, because yeah. you always have new kids being born and they're watching all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's I why know, I Disney's g- in the right in the right place, yeah. you know. Yeah, I probably watched Lion King like a million times. <laughs> exactly. No joke. Like, 
I think I think that's uh I think that number's about right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so Adam, you came out with a book called Inside uh, Track for Independent Filmmakers. And uh, tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, when did you first release it? When was we it released published? it. Uh, it was actually fun because we premiered this book at Sundance in January of this year. Nice. Uh, so most people premiere movies. We uh, premiered a book. Wow. And we had a premiere That's party. A good place and to do it. Uh, uh, we had a book signing and lots of independent filmmakers showed up and it had a great launch. Uh, I wrote this book because independent filmmakers are always coming to me to ask me questions. Mm. And there's really only two questions they ask me How do I get my movie made? And how do I get my movie seen? Mm-hmm. They don't say, how do I make a movie? Because they know how to make their movie, right? right? Right. They went to film school or they've been making movies since they were two years old on their mobile phones. But they want to know, how do you get it financed and how do you actually get it distributed? Right. So that's what this mo- book tells people how to do. Right. How do you get your movie made? How do you get it seen? What are all the pieces? And it's actually a really short read because it's very directive. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of fluff in this book. I just, as, a, as someone who has bought movies and had to finance movies, and also someone who's distributed movies, all I try to do is say, here's the checklist. This is what right. you do. If you follow mm-hmm. these steps, yeah. you really increase your odds. Wow. I'm just looking That's at the pages cool. now. It is like, there's like bullet points. Like It's like, legit, this is what you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, and well, three. Well, you're definitely one well qualified to come up with all this uh, follow the steps. and stuff. Well, you know, awesome. it, it's really tragic because in America today, about 95% of the movies that are made mm-hmm. never get seen. Really? Never get yeah. distributed. What? Not even on Netflix. Really? I estimate that there's over a billion dollars a year in private investment from uncles and aunts and moms and dads and cousins um, and dentists and lawyers mm-hmm. that goes into independent movies that never, ever get distributed in any form at all. Wow. And it's crazy. So I'm kind of on a mission to help independent filmmakers make way better movies yeah. that get seen and help people who are going to invest in those movies make investments that are way smarter so right. they can actually get their money back. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, and, and that makes sense, you know, with a lot of artists, it's like that, you know. Yeah. You invest time doing it, and you make it, and it, it, you create it, but then you don't know how to sell it. You right. Know? And mm-hmm. uh, and that's really the most important thing, really, is, you know, before you start a business, is figure out who's going to buy my stuff. You Thank know? you. Yeah. Thank you. That's the first question, right? <laughs> yeah. Whenever filmmakers come to me, the first question I ask them is, Who's the audience? Right. And if that stops them cold, it's like go back to the drawing yeah, board, back. Yeah. figure it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, you know. But at the same time, I also think, well, you know, I mean, with a film, you put in a lot of money, so you have to think about selling it and stuff. But I think in general, when artists make their work, create their work, you don't, you shouldn't worry about whether people are going to buy it or not. Like if you're a painter or you know or whatever, it's like you do your you art, just you do know, what you, you love create and exactly. You, yeah. And if people like it, then they like it, you know. But then it doesn't involve a big outlay of money. Right. When you make yeah, a film, it's a whole different <laughs> a thing. Big right. <laughs> people right. expect the money back. Yeah. You know? Right. Because yeah. if you're a painter or if you're a poet, right, you can. Right. If you're a poet, you can go down to the copy shop and make your chapbooks for five dollars. Right. And you can pull that out of your wallet yourself. Right. But if you're making a movie, you're asking other people to pull money out of their wallets. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a very different deal. It's a different deal. Yeah. yeah. So now, do you find that there's a lot of um, a lot happening in filmmaking outside of Hollywood too, like in other places in the country? In other places in the country, in other places in the world, you know, yeah. uh, there are about 500 movies released a year in the United States. Only about domestic ho- movies, or including oh, foreign movies. Well, including foreign movies, but there are really not that many, not that many. foreign movies released here. Right. right. Um, 
so there's about a hundred there's about 500 movies released 500. a year only about 140 come from studios oh wow hmm so the rest are so the rest independent. are independent films. Wow, they are. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying usually independent filmmakers will finance it through loans from friends and family and things like that, or uh, that's where that's where a lot of it comes from. There's yeah, it's I'll, hard I'll be, to find an investor that doesn't know you and would put up some money, right? Yes, there is also, of course, a professional group of independent filmmakers mm-hmm. and independent film companies who have more sophisticated ways of getting their movies made mm-hmm. and have stars in their movies and have deals with mm-hmm. international distributors mm-hmm. who may also contribute some money towards the making of the movies. And that's actually a really robust business. Mm-hmm. But most of the independent films are cobbled together uh, with different ways every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I know people are using Kickstarter and everything, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. trying to use other people's money. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a huge, you know, <laughs> uprising with, independent films now I feel yeah, like yeah. it's you know it's I a big th- thing for sure I think you're thinking I'm sorry go ahead I know I was just saying they're just so most of them are just so like different and so like artsy like they have that more like real feel to them you know but I don't know personally I mean I'm a fan of the big studio movies I'm like well, this is what I say when it comes to movies I'm like a simple-minded guy anything that blows up goes fast fights or kills is up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we love you, Mia. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. What were no, you saying? I, <laughs> <laughs> I love those movies too. There's something very satisfying about a big studio movie, and only studios can make those movies. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's way too much money, and oh, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and they can get the talent and everything as well. Yeah. Um, What kind of changes have you seen in the film industry, like, I don't know, in the past 10 years, let's say? Have you seen any changes? It's completely transformed. Really? The numbers have changed. You know, uh, the the numbers have changed and the dynamics have changed markedly. Mm -hmm. Ten years ago, all the studios had independent film distribution companies as, as well as their main distribution company to put out big movies. So, for example, Disney owned Miramax, mm-hmm. right? Those have gone. The mm. studios divested themselves of them of their independent companies about five years ago. Really? Wow. At the same time, newer independent st- distributors have come up. Technology has changed remarkably and put a lot of power into independent filmmakers' hands, where independent filmmakers can now make, market, and distribute movies themselves. Mm. And in some ways, mm-hmm. very economically for them, both not spending a lot of money, but also making money right. if they do it the right way. Um, you know, also the taste of the industry has changed. About 20 years ago, I'm gonna go back 20 years ago to like to make the the point bigger for your question. Sure. 20 years ago, 70% of all the box office money for movies came from inside the United States, and 30% came from other countries. Right. Today, it's the opposite. The opposite, huh? Yeah. So we make more money overseas than they do here. 70% yeah. of all the movie money uh, that's made is made internationally, only 30% in the U.S. So we're right. seeing these big movies. Now you'll see some movies that have scenes in Europe and China and Korea and actors that are international to appeal to those audiences mm. worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there yeah, you go. So again, true. they're thinking about who's going to watch the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... Um, so, uh, so uh, people when they make independent films, where do people actually see those films? I mean, because I know theaters usually have the uh, first run big films and stuff. I know there's some art houses and things like that, but for the most part, how do they get their movie seen? Well, 
many theater chains also like to run independent movies because they don't just like to have Man of Steel on 16 screens. Right. They'll have it on eight screens, right. and they will have it on eight screens where you can see Man <laughs> of Steel every 15 minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. But they will. They want to mix it up because they know that they want they want a different kind of audience. They want the audiences to intermingle. Right. Uh, and m- some of the theaters also have special marketing teams specifically devoted to independent films mm. to try to help encourage that audience. Then the Netflix, Amazon Prime, iTunes means of distribution is really huge for independent films, right. especially mm-hmm. documentaries. Mm. Many more people see documentaries on instant view at home than they go mm-hmm. to a theater and see it. That's but true. documentaries are blowing up mm. on yeah. Netflix. They're all over right. Netflix. Yeah, I know. I like mm-hmm. those, you know, on Amazon too. And uh, yeah, I like those documentaries. You're right, because I never would go to a, to a movie theater to watch a documentary. Yeah. But no. uh, but on TV, definitely. Because right, if you're paying 15 bucks, you want to see stuff blow up. Right? Yeah, exactly. For yeah. the most part. <laughs> <laughs> Except you know yeah. what I felt that I mean I feel that films lately have been pretty much like all the same. You mm. know, I mean I used to be into the action films and everything, but. Now it's like everything's the same. Like you said, blowing up everything. There's not much of a story and, you know, in, th- in thrillers and things like that, you know. So, um, yeah, I think there's been a change there. You and know? I think that's why independent movies or non-studio movies mm-hmm. are, are really getting a lot more attention now because we are kind of tired of Batman 16 and Iron Man 4. And right. And, and car like, chases mm-hmm. and this blowing up and this that reboot. Up that and reboot. I will never get tired terrorists. of car chases. <laughs> That's what gets me going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I often think about how tough it must be to film a car chase, you know, mm-hmm. because I mean, and there's so many scenes and so many shots and stuff, and uh, yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, and I mean, any film at all, it just seems like so insurmountable to make a film. There's so many people involved. There's so much work to do and stuff. How do people pull it off? I mean, independent filmmakers. Well, we, uh, you know, I've made studio movies and independent movies, and you right. basically make them the same way. You just make them with a few more people when you're working for a studio and a few less people mm-hmm. independently. See. Yeah, it's a big task, and there's all these little pieces, and that's uh-huh. what a producer does. A producer holds all the threads in his or her hands and weaves them together, makes sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, holds people accountable for it, and just looks at the whole picture. And that's mm. why producers are so s- important to the right. process. Right. So mm-hmm. th- I thought part of this the director does, no? The director is more involved, like hands-on, on making the movie and painting the picture. Right? I'm not a director. I'm a producer right. by training and by practice <clears throat> before I was anything else. Right. A director sets the artistic vision for this is the movie that I want to make. Right. These are the actors that I believe in. This is the story I want to shoot. These are the colors of the walls. And it's the producer's job to make sure that all those things get there, Mm. get there on time, to challenge the director and say, hey, maybe the wall shouldn't be blue. Maybe they should be green Mm. and have that artistic discussion and make sure it happens on time and on budget and Mm. gets finished in the right way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's quite a responsibility to be a film producer. It's a lot of work. That's yeah. why many movies have more than one producer right. because mm-hmm. we often have to share those jobs and we don't all have exactly the same skill set, so we complement each other. Yeah. Now, what's uh, what's the job of an executive producer? Is that just sort of like a, uh, a nice title or do they actually do something? 
Like when Steven Spielberg is the executive producer or Stephen King or something in Under the Dome. Oh, what do they do? That's a complicated an- that's a is complicated it? answer, Sam. You know, I'm a member of the Producers Guild and we fought very hard to make the credits actually mean something. Mm. Because in prior years and in many cases still today, producer credits are given out as gifts or favors or to close deals without really representing work that people actually do on the film. And it's a problem because it then devalues the work that those of us who are real producers do. Um, So technically an executive producer is somewhat more Mm hands-off, is not involved in the day-to-day work of the movie, probably had a large part in putting together the financing financing. for the movie. Exactly. You know it. You know it. You're a member of SAG after. (laughs) (laughs) She knows the drill. I know it's SAG. (laughs) And technically a producer will have been, the producer title will have been involved from start to finish, from the inception of the idea, optioning the material, developing the script, being on the set, and then working through distribution and release. And that's the reason why it's the producer who gets to go up and get the Best Picture Award, not the executive producer or the co-producer right. or the associate mm-hmm. producer. Did you know Lee Daniels, the butler, has 41 producer credits on it? Are you serious? I'm serious. Wow. Between associates oh, wow. and co's and executives and co-executives it's just uh, it's really yeah. embarrassing <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen you know yeah. they, and you know and they didn't all do any the, you know the they credits. didn't yeah they didn't yeah. all do work on the picture right <laughs> but, but they all just carried along his bag and that's the kind yeah. of things that that in the producers guild we're really trying to limit down and put a stop to right mm-hmm. how many um so are you familiar with the you must be familiar with sag and after and stuff how many members do you think they have we should just you know? toss that across to the person across the aisle oh here. You think How you many know? members How many in your members union? members are in SAC after? Uh-huh. I don't even know. Well, see, okay, so here's the deal. There was a merger. Yeah. So that's why this is like right. a total like game-changing question. Like it's like yeah. I couldn't okay. even, oh my gosh, I Tens couldn't even begin this, to. This is for $100,000 of double jeopardy, Mia. Can but, you yeah. answer it? Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> in this town, it seems like that's the 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 holy grail, you know. Everybody's trying to be part mm-hmm. of that. You well, know? what they, yeah, there was SAG, yeah. you know, Screen Actors Guild, and, right. Actors Guild, and then there was AFTRA, and now, yeah, there's been a merger. See, right. I was I was both separately before they had merged. Right. So there's this whole talk of like, well, if you're already AFTRA, then how much do you pay to just join SAG? And how like it was such a <laughs> it was such a huge ordeal, and there was just voting, and you know there were phone calls like to my cell phone personally, like, have you voted? We think you should vote this way or that way, and I'm like, ah, there's so much going on with this merger, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean they've you know come to an agreement and merged and settled, yeah. and it's all. You know, as far as the number goes, that's way yeah. up in the air for me. Yeah, and, I know, and I know it seems like tie. everybody in L.A. has a SAG <laughs> membership. Not me. No. <laughs> I don't have one. Well, you're part of a different guild. Yeah, there, I'm sure there are but. more SAG-AFTRA members than in all the other unions and guilds combined. Really? It's, yeah. it's by far yeah. the biggest union. For sure. Yeah. Because people want to belong to it even if they don't work. They just like, let me let me have the card. You right, know? right. <laughs> they just want the, want the card. Well, the thing about, you know, with being after, you know, you have like the, like this 30-day period before you have to join. Mm. You know what I mean? So if you think right. of all those people that were just after, uh-huh. And then, you know, because to become SAG, it was, you know, a little bit more difficult. I mean, fortunately, I was SAG before I even moved here. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to worry about trying to collect my vouchers. I was forced into the union, you know, through yeah. commercial work because I did a lot of commercials in Chicago. And that's how I became SAG mm. and then was, you know, already 
after as well moving here um but yeah all those people that are already after and then when they merge yeah you know, and join side it's just that's yeah that's a lot of that's a lot of people yeah so but, i would imagine you came into contact with a lot of stars also and things like that i mean were you like on movie sets as well oh sure yeah so you were seeing, you were overseeing what was happening and things like that too. As the producer, you're on the set every day. You turn on right. the lights in the morning and you turn the lights off at the end of the day. Right. Mm-hmm. What was uh, your most memorable uh, set that you remember that you were on? Uh, film. Do you have a favorite film you well, worked on? Well, you know, one of my favorite films is one that I did when I was the president of National Geographic Films, which was called March of the Penguins. Oh, okay, I remember and that. Many people love that movie. They did love that movie. And it sort of it. Uh, it sort of came as a surprise in the middle of the summer, and the audiences right. discovered it and embraced it, uh, and we had a lot of fun with that film. I'm sure. So you were like on location. I often, was not right? on location you for that not. because I did not go to Antarctica for 13 months <laughs> to shoot that movie oh. like the filmmakers did. Oh. Wow, 13 months in Extraordinary, Antarctica. Wow. How can they live like that, man? Well, they lived in the... You know, in the French research station, they didn't actually live on the ice. Right. But they went on the ice every day. Right. No, I can imagine. (laughs) But even when you're at the station there, I mean, you're like ice, surrounded by ice and nothing else. It's crazy. It's highly isolated. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Kudos to those people for for going through it. Oh, man. Yeah. And, you know, one of my favorite sets um, was a movie that Julie Taymor directed. And Julie, you know, directed Lion King on Broadway. And mm-hmm. this was the set for the first film she ever directed called Titus, mm-hmm. which is an adaptation of Shakespeare's Titus Andronicus mm-hmm. with Anthony Hopkins and Jessica Lange and Alan oh, Cumming yeah. and a great cast. And we yeah. shot that in Italy and Croatia. Oh, wow. That was some oh. time ago, too, huh? That it's was in the year 2000. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, wow. It was like all blue on the cover, right? It was all blue, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah Tony Hopkins' face was painted blue. Yeah, it was painted all blue. Yeah. Uh-huh. You could just oh, I remember that one. Okay, yeah. yeah I remember. <laughs> Good memory. Thank Good you. Good for you, yeah. Um, also, uh, my super smart mother, who's been listening, says mm. um, there are, she just texted me how many members are in SAG, <laughs> over 160,000 members. Wow. We knew somebody would know. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Thanks, I forget Mom. we have Google, you know. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah I know. Was, it's like she's on it. Yeah, I mean we're so smart in this generation, you know. We've got all the information at our fingertips, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can't find out about, you know, right. and it's really cool. So, uh, and uh, yeah, and I, I think film has been uh, reinvigorated with the streaming, with the different ways to consume movies, and I think it's. Uh, you know, I, I think they're doing pretty well, right? The industry as a whole, are they doing well now? The industry as a whole has upturned in profit, and it is uh, it is overall doing well. Indie movies are tough for indie filmmakers. It's, you know, it's tough to make a living as an indie filmmaker, but right. the, con- the, the possibilities for creative expression mm-hmm. have never been greater in the history of this planet. Wow. And I think it's the golden age of independent film and independent mm-hmm. video. I think it's so exciting right now. Wow. Amazing. Now, uh, do you have a website people can go and check it out and uh, find out more about you and the book and stuff? Sure. You can go to my website, which is adamleipzig.com. That's A-D-A-M-L-E-I-P-Z-I-G.com. Okay. And you can also go to this magazine that I publish, which is culturalweekly.com. Every week, we look at the creative choices that we make and share 
mm-hmm. and we have great articles, great writers, um, and we have a really good time with it. That's an wow. online magazine, It's right? a digital magazine, that's right. right. That's and awesome. what's it called again? It's called culturalweekly.com. Okay. It is digital. Oh, okay. uh, we do not kill any trees, but we do inconvenience trillions of electrons. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> 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 yeah, we need to worry that's about cute. that sometimes. Yeah. That's cute. I know. You don't want to disturb all the electrons. <laughs> no, they get very annoyed. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Awesome. Um, so people can contact you through the website as well. You bet. And uh, everybody go out and get the book Inside Track for Independent Filmmakers. Yeah, it's very, it's very colorfully decorated. Yeah. Cover. And it's uh, I enjoy that. not as much as your nails, man. <laughs> oh, thank you. I did it myself. <laughs> this is cool. Get your movie made. Get your movie seen. Turn the tables on Hollywood. There you go. It's, uh, it's a tall order there, but I'm sure you're addressing it uh uh, pretty well. Um, also, a lot of endorsements for the book and stuff. So, people, if you um, if you really want to get into film and understand how it works, uh, I think Adam has the answers for Thank us. Thank you very much. And you know, Sam and me, I'm also doing a, a workshop for independent filmmakers in Los Angeles on September 28th oh. at the Hub downtown, which is a co-working community, Hub LA. And you can go to Hub LA. And find out about it. Uh, we still have a few spots, and it's going to be a great day. Oh, wow, nice. that sounds interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Wow, awesome. Okay, well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. It's so much fun to be here. Thank you so Absolutely. much for having me. This was fun. This is awesome. Yeah, you're a fun guest and uh, and a fun person, and thank you for joining us. And uh, that's it. So uh, yeah. thanks for today, and we'll see, see everybody you tomorrow. listening to Sam in the Morning with Mia, which airs every Monday through Friday from 10 to 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you have a question for the show or if you'd like to inquire about sponsorship opportunities, please send an email along to sam at latalkradio.com. Sam in the Morning with Mia is a production of LA Talk Radio, where we say what we want.